Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna for some live post-match reaction following PSV Eindhoven 1 Arsenal one. It's been a long, long time since I've been around to do one of these bang on the full time whistle. But here we are. Not the greatest game to unpack. Um, kind of knew it was going to be that because of the fact that a nothing was riding on it, that both teams made a whole host of changes. Um, there are a few talking points and we'll, of course, make our way through them. We'll be discussing um, Mikel Arteta's selection. Did he take a bit? Too much of a risk with some of the players that ended up playing a part that in an ideal world, certainly from my point of view, wouldn't have. We'll talk about Reese Nelson, who I thought was one of Arsenal's better players this evening. We'll also talk Eddie Nketiah, who scored his first UEFA Champions League goal this evening. Um, we'll talk about the substitutions. Again, did Mikel Arteta maybe take risks that he shouldn't have? I don't know. It looks like everyone got off the pitch unscathed in the end, so maybe it won't matter in the grand scheme of things. And why was Jakub Kivior's winning goal ruled out? Was Gabriel actually interfering with play? We'll try and make sense of that as well on this episode of the Chronicles of a Guna podcast. A uh, big hello to everybody who's with us in the live chat right now. If you haven't done so already, please leave a like on the stream. Subscribe to the channel if you're brand spanking new. And if you're listening on audio, please do leave us a review as well. Without further ado then, let's get into it. PSV Eindhoven 1, Arsenal 1 in the final group game of the UEFA Champions League group stage. So I guess the best place to start would be with Mikel Arteta's team selection. And I guess the highlights of that were Aaron Ramsdale back in between the posts um, making his Champions League debut, which he'd have been desperate to do. You know, we've talked about it many times over the last few months. We talked about the fact that Aaron Ramsdale, of course, played a huge, huge part in Arsenal getting back into the Champions League. You know, he was, he was key. He was pivotal in that. And I think we all felt that him being left out, um, even ahead of our first game uh, in the competition this season, was just a little bit harsh and and perhaps a little bit um, unfair. He got his opportunity tonight, albeit in a dead rubber, and um, and we'll come on to discuss his performance in a little bit. Um, but obviously, when the team news came out and he was in, I was delighted. Now, I think a lot of people expected Aaron Ramsdale to be in, but you just never know with Mikel Arteta, do you? Um, some of the other highlights with regards to the team selection, both William Saliba and Gabriel started the game. I wouldn't have started any of them personally. I was thinking in the build-up to the game, well, maybe Mikel Arteta is going to have to play at least one of them. And when I thought about the fact that Saliba's played every single minute of Arsenal's Premier League campaign 
so far this season. I thought maybe he should be the one to get the rest tonight. You know, there was another part of me that was thinking, well, hold on a minute. Ben White hasn't played that much football in recent weeks, not as much as these two. Maybe he could slot in at centre-back alongside Jakub Kivior. Wasn't sure if Cedric was going to get a game um, because I think, you know, it's pretty clear that he's not part of the plans moving forward. But you just never know with Mikel Arteta. And look, Cedric got a start. Uh, Jakub Kivior played at left-back in place of uh, Zinchenko. I'll come on to Kivior at left-back in a bit as well because... I'm still not totally convinced about that. The midfield was made up of Jorginho, who capped in the side, Mohamed Elneny, who was making his first start since, of course, coming back from that long injury layoff, and Kai Havertz, who's been in really, really good form and was announced as Arsenal's player of the month earlier on in the day. The front three was Leandro Trossard from the left, Eddie Nketiah through the middle, and Reese Nelson from the right. That was the team that Mikel went with. On the bench, he had Raya Hein. Uh, White, Walters, Zinchenko, Sosa, Rice, Waneri, Smith-Rowe, Odegaard, Saka, Jesus. Now, despite there being chat of a Saka injury, he was on the bench. He did appear, though, during the game to be going through a warm-up on the sidelines and then sort of feeling something and ending up going down the tunnel for some kind of treatment. So I hope that's not a problem. I hope that's not an issue. I saw a video circulating on social media uh, when I was scrolling through um, at about, yeah, I think it was at half time. Um, Sosa on the bench, great to see him there. Lino Sosa, young fullback. Ethan Waneri, we, we've heard lots about his talents. We were all delighted when he signed a new contract with the club. He, of course, uh, was on the bench, as well as Rule Walters, who had been involved not in the last preseason too much, but in the one before quite a bit. Um, so he was, of course, uh, back in the picture as well. And I wondered, I kind of hoped that the game state would allow for one of them to get onto the field of play at some point, just to experience it. UEFA Champions League football. And let's dive back into the comments and then um, we will um, we will go through this game bit by bit. We'll break it all down. If you're just joining us, like the video, subscribe to the channel. If you're brand spanking you, I'm going to favourite some of the questions as well, uh, because there's some really, really good ones coming through. And I want to make sure that we get to them a little bit later on. Big thank you to Junior Gunner for your very, very kind super chat donation, mate. Thank you so, so much. It's really appreciated. Uh, Holy Moly says, uh, glad to catch you live. First time in a while. Much love. Great to have you here, mate. Thank you so much. Um, Richie says, job well and truly done. Uh, Civil Salad says, the subs were horrible. Very strange. Um Lots of questions about the youth players um, and, and whether or not they should have got the get a, a game and all the rest of it. We'll get into all of that stuff uh, a little bit later, um, a little bit later on. OK, let's kick off then by discussing the performance overall, because I thought it was distinctly average, but I'm not upset about that. I'm not surprised by that. I'm not outraged by that. It's kind of what I expected spoken many, many times, particularly when we were playing Europa League football, about how making so many changes often leads to disjointed, lacklustre performances that just lack the cohesion that you need to be able to play through teams with the same vigour, with the same um, prowess, with the same power, with the same uh, speed and flow. 
I knew that this was going to be the case when I saw the lineup. I knew that the lineup was going to look something like this. I knew that there would be a multitude of changes. So if I was to sit here now and say, oh my God, that performance was really, really underwhelming, et cetera, et cetera, then I'd be just trying to drive clicks basically because it would be fake outrage because it's exactly what I thought it was going to be. Lars, I think, sums this up brilliantly. It was a classic B-team performance. Exactly that, mate. Exactly that. Um, in terms of the opposition that we faced, PSV um, are, are a handy side. They're the only team in Europe with a 100% record still in their domestic league. They're incredibly effective going forward. We saw that in glimpses tonight in terms of the speed with which they counterattack and how they can hurt people etc etc I think for me this was always going to be a pretty tough game now one of the things that kind of dawned on me probably five or seven minutes into the game was okay we're looking at this Arsenal side and they've made a load of changes and they've shaken up the pack a little bit and it looks a little bit different and that's going to lead to that disjointed performance I was then curious to see what PSV's side looked like in their last Champions League game so I went back and had a look and they themselves I don't know the exact number but just kind of glanced Dancing at the current team, the team that was on the pitch tonight, and looking at the one uh, that they, they named for the last game, they did have five or six at, at the absolute minimum different players in it. So, you know, there was rotation on their part as well. And it's understandable. We've won the group. We're through. They go through a second. Nothing that could have happened tonight was going to change that. But even with their changes, they look like a really, really good side. Peter Bosch is a good coach. He's a coach that plays... Um, a, a good style of football. He's often earned plaudits for that. Um, his PSV side are going really, really well at the moment. And um, and this was never going to be an easy trip. Away from home at a place like the Phillips Stadion, what are you expecting? And I think whilst I agree with some of you that it would have been nice to get, you know, some of these young players on it. It would have been nice to get Ethan Wanieri on for a bit. It would have been nice to get Lino Sosa on for a bit and, and rule Walters and all the rest of it. Great. It would have been fantastic. This was the type of game that I think if you don't have a certain, a, a certain level on the pitch all the time, if you don't have a certain level of experience and I, and I think this tied into maybe why Mikel Arteta made some of the changes he did slightly later on in the game then you will get turned over. This is the Champions League. This is not the Europa League group stage anymore where we could do that type of thing. This is a whole new level. It's a whole different level and a level that we've not experienced for a, a long, long time. I also think momentum is a big deal to Mikel Arteta. I think we've talked about this at, at you know previous points. I think we discussed this at various points last season when a lot of us were looking at certain games and thinking, Mikel, Come on, man. Like, what, what are you doing? Wind it back a little bit. You don't need to play your best players. You don't need to risk X, Y, Z in a game like this when you've got game X coming up at the weekend. But I always come back to the point. Maybe I don't agree with it. Maybe you don't agree with it. But for Mikel, it is apparently clear that he is really, really big on continuity and on momentum. And I do wonder as well, does the fact that we lost to Aston Villa play a part in how Mikel approached this game. Because if we had won at Aston Villa, would he have maybe been more inclined then to go, you know what, we don't need to play Gabriel and Saliba. Um, we don't need to 
um, you know, protect the youngsters as much. You know, this is a dead rubber game. We, we can shake it up a little bit and it won't have an impact. I just wonder if the Villa game played a part in his thinking today. Substitutions, he made some changes that for me were a little bit unnecessary um, in terms of the risk that they posed with regards to what the potential reward was, risk versus reward. You know, we always talk about that. For example, bringing on Declan Rice. I think you got a glimpse tonight of what Arsenal's midfield looks like with Declan Rice. It's a midfield that is incredibly easy to bypass. It is a midfield that lacks mobility. It is a midfield that lacks physical presence. And yet you put Martin Odegaard back into the equation, then you get that technical ability, you get the drive, you get the ability to press, you get the brilliance of Martin Odegaard on the ball, but you still don't cover a lot of those blind spots that I've just mentioned. You know, you you don't get the mobility that Rice gives you. You don't get the defensive solidarity that Rice gives you. And I actually think that the goal that we conceded on 49 minutes um, Really well-worked PSV move from back to front, start of the second half. Vertessen, the scorer. I thought the way that they cut through us was what prompted Mikel to go Declan, get on the pitch. I really, really do. And again, that then comes back to the point about momentum and wanting to maintain standards and wanting to maintain a certain level. Um so, yeah, I, I wouldn't have brought him on. Mohamed Elneny had to go off with an injury. Martin Odegaard came on to replace him. Again, not a player that I really wanted to see play. Ben White, I just wonder if there's still some concern maybe about his fitness, hence why um, he didn't start the game to give one of the others a break, given that he's, he's played less football than them in recent times. Um, and then the other two changes that he made were, were late on. Emil Smith-Rowe came on. Um, some people were moaning in on social media that I could see about the fact that he was only afforded a few minutes. Guys, the guy returned to training yesterday. Like, relax. He'll get there. He'll get his chance. The one that didn't really um, sort of make much sense to me on 89 minutes was was Gabriel Jesus. It's just like, you know, you've been protected. You've been wrapped up in cotton wool because we need you. You're really, really important. Why risking them for the sake of two minutes? I don't know. I mean, I know that the the chances of him picking up a problem in two minutes are not um, are not high, not significant. But you know, there is a chance, and I don't know that I'd take that risk. Um, anyway, we're going to continue on through uh, sort of dissecting this game in just a moment. But I do want to dive back into the li- into the live chat because there's a few comments that have caught my eye, shall we say, that I want to uh, touch on. I want to get you guys' thoughts on as well. We'll do that right after this. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Okay, um, let's take this one from Chris. Chris says, why is Harry Simeu so dramatic? What's dramatic about anything I've said? Um, please uh, elaborate on that. Let me know. Um, Jean-René says, the substitutions told me that Arteta didn't want two defeats in a row. And he was definitely going that way before Rice and Odegaard came on, in my opinion. I agree with that. And that's why I said that I felt that the goal that Vitesen scored was the moment that pushed Mikel Arteta into going, we're going to get killed like this. I need to change it. I need to shake it up. I need to bring on experience and I need to bring on players that are better 
at retaining the ball, just to give us that bit of stability. So I completely agree with you on that. And we'll come on to Declan Rice's role, which was at centre-back uh, this evening in uh, in a few minutes' time. Uh, Oki says, sorry, Harry, have to disagree with you on the youth players. If you can't play them in a dead rubber in a competition we've topped the group in, when can you? How are they ever supposed to play? Well, you, you look, it's a tough one because Mikel Arteta has got to think about the good of the side. Now, obviously, he's got to think about the good of those young lads as well. It's his responsibility as the manager of Arsenal Football Club, a club that has prided itself over the years on bringing players through and developing them and all the rest of it. You know, he has got to think about them on an individual level, but he has to prioritise the team first and foremost. Ethan Waneri, Lino Sosa and Ruel Walters all went on that trip to Eindhoven. They got to experience the journey. They got to experience the, the training um, the night before. They got to experience all the media stuff that goes on around the UEFA Champions League. They today had a taste of UEFA Champions League life. They didn't get it all, but they got quite a lot of it. And so that, to me, for a good player, will motivate him. He'll go back, he'll go away, and he'll think, great to go on the trip, great to be a part of the travelling party and all the rest of it, but do you know what? I want to be on the pitch next time. Sometimes you have to give these players an incentive. Sometimes you have to give them a taste of something to make them want it so that when that moment comes, they are so ready to take on that challenge. If Arsenal were 2-3-0 up, at the Phillips Stadion. I'm almost certain that at least one of them would have got on the pitch. But that wasn't the case. It was a finely balanced game. And Mikel Arteta would have warned them. They'd have known from the beginning that the chances of them making appearance is, was going to be based on how the game state was at certain points. Because as somebody rightly pointed out in the chat a little bit earlier on, Mikel Arteta does not want to go into the game against Brighton at the weekend off the back of two consecutive defeats. Dead rubber or not, it's still a defeat. And momentum, as I keep saying, is a big, big deal to him. It's a really, really big deal. Um, let's see what else we've got in, in the chat box before we um, we dive back into um, sort of my sort of sketchy running order that I've got in front of me on a scrap of paper. Uh, Diego says, Jakob Kivior was not at his best today, was he? I, I, I think you're right to say that. I think you're right to say that. I think that Jakob Kivior, for me has looked quite promising as a central defender. But whenever we've put him out at left back, he just hasn't convinced me. So I'm kind of reluctant to judge him too much on that premise and on that basis because essentially we're asking a central defender to play at left back and there are some central defenders to whom that comes relatively naturally. You look at Tommy Asu, a central defender prior to his arrival, predominantly at Arsenal, asked to play at fullback, has all the physical attributes, but has sort of transitioned into that position really, really well. Ben White is another good example of that. Jurian Timber is another good example of that. So clearly that's what Mikel looks for in a lot of the defenders that he signs. But I just didn't feel um, that Jakob Kivior, right from the very beginning, looked comfortable in the left-back position. And I thought, you know, this is a bit awkward. This is not something he's used to. It's going to take a bit of time. The argument the other way is, has he actually had enough game time playing in that position for him to actually learn it and understand it fully. You could probably say no. Um, but I agree with you that he wasn't at his best today. I don't think he was great at Luton either. Um, and I'm starting to think that maybe the Kivior 
to left back experiment is one that we kind of just need to avoid moving forward. Don't mind him playing um, as a centre back, as as a backup centre back to to Gabriel in particular on that left hand side because I trust him there, but I don't trust him um, as a left back to be honest with you. And and Richie says um, it took Kai. Kai Havertz, that is, three months to learn his position. It can take time. So I'm not sitting here writing Jakob Kivior off. It just doesn't look comfortable to me currently um, as a fullback. A um, few more points uh, from me to make, and then we'll uh, we'll focus on some of your questions. Again, we'll be back uh, after a really, really short pause. Don't go anywhere. Let's talk about Eddie Nketiah's goal. That's a positive, isn't it? Eddie Nketiah. Um, just a few minutes before halftime, scored his first ever UEFA Champions League goal. Reese Nelson with the assist. And I think it's the first time two English Arsenal players have combined for a Champions League goal since 2014. Can anyone tell me who the last two were? Now, I genuinely don't know the answer to this. So um, I'm interested in um, in you guys uh, firing that over to me. Over the course of the show, give it a quick Google search. I'm sure I've seen it floating around on Twitter somewhere um, as well. So do check it out, or X as it's now known. I still can't get my head around that. Um, but yeah, really, really well-taken goal from Eddie Nketiah. You know, he's he's someone that we, we're constantly talking about, aren't we? You know, whenever the striker debate comes up, I'm very quick to say, take the sort of spotlight off of Jesus, who I think is more than good enough in all the things that he brings to our team, and actually focus it on Eddie Nketiah, because that's where I think there's probably quite a bit of room for improvement. Um, he gets a start tonight in the Champions League and he goes and scores. And, you know, you can't really ask that much more, uh, really, from a centre forward, can you? And what I was really, really impressed by was, obviously, I, I like the way that Nelson kind of fizzed it into him, but he didn't really have that much room to work with Eddie Nketiah. So the first touch had to be immaculate. And because it was, it kind of just set the ball in a in such a tempting position that Eddie Nketiah was willing to just whack it back towards um, the sort of nearish post with with his weaker left foot and it creeped in, obviously, um, and, and Arsenal took the lead through that. So credit to Eddie Nketiah because it's a really, really good finish and it's a really, really good goal. I also want to talk about Declan Rice coming on as a centre-back. I, I just wonder if Mikel Arteta... Um, was having a little bit of a play around there and a little bit of an experiment because he could have done something quite different. He could have if he wanted to get Cedric off. And remember, Cedric hadn't played any football for God knows how long. He could have quite easily um, just uh, brought on a, a Walters and stuck him at right back where he's played for the first team before. He could have brought on... Um, you know, Zinchenko at left back and tucked Kivior inside. He had options, but he chose specifically to put Declan Rice in at centre-back, which suggests to me that this is an idea that Mikel has if Arsenal get to a position where they're absolutely desperate. Maybe it would be Declan at centre-back when Partey comes back in, should one of the big two uh, lads at the back pick up an injury. I don't know. I'm speculating, but it... it, it it wasn't like we were at the last resort in terms of what we could do in the centre-back position. Kivior could have tucked in um, and become one of the centre-backs if Zinchenko or Lino Sosa came on. Uh, Ruel Walters could have even come on as a centre-back because he plays that position quite a bit for some of the younger teams. There were options there, yet Mikel Arteta specifically went for Declan Rice as a centre-back. So I just wonder if there was a bit of experimentation uh, there as well. 
I did have a note down about the the no youngsters point. Um, and I, I think we kind of already addressed that. So I'm not going to go through that again, but I'll reiterate my point. To go away to PSV Eindhoven in the Champions League is a difficult game. And given that Mikel Arteta, as we've pretty much all unanimously agreed in the chat, definitely did not want to um, lose a second consecutive game, you can understand his reluctance to throw those boys in. You can understand it. You might not agree with it, but I think you've got to understand it at the very, uh, very least. And the final thing that I, I wanted to talk about before I throw it over to you guys again in the live chat and, and start getting your questions in, we'll probably go for another five to ten minutes because I do want to go and uh, and watch Manchester United um, against Bayern Munich. I think that's going to be a fascinating game tonight. And of course, all the sort of permutations around that are really, really interesting as well. But I do want to talk about what should have been the winning goal. Jakub Kivior headed home. What should have been the winning goal for Arsenal? Gabriel in the mix as well, clearly in an offside position. No doubt about that whatsoever. But the question then becomes, did he interfere with play? I don't think he does. And I actually think that in the Premier League, that goal probably gets given. Which is a bit annoying because it kind of highlights again what I've said in the past. Different competitions, different interpretations of the laws, different things are allowed to slide. I just thought that, yeah, I, I I just thought that it was really harsh to rule that out for Gabriel's involvement, given that the goalkeeper arrived so late to the party as he came flying out. Um, so really and truly, we, we could have had all three points and we could have been talking about a win away at PSV Eindhoven, who have a 100% record in the Eredivisie this season with a, a side that had eight changes from the weekend. And that would have been some achievement, wouldn't it? Look, we were much more solid than we have been um, in previous times when we've made this level of changes. Okay, PSV had their moments and created opportunities. They're at home and we all know they're a wonderful attacking outfit. But I, I was pretty content and pleased with what I saw tonight. It was a tough watch. These games tend to be tough watches. It was better than some dead rubbers that you'll watch. But when you know nothing's really riding on it, the emotion is not there. And then when the emotion is not there, it feels quite different, I think, watching the Arsenal. So, um, yeah, that's that's kind of my view on it. I've got a few of your questions starred, which I'll touch on uh, before um, I uh, I disappear. Kevin says, do you think Emil Smith-Rowe should have come on earlier? And what do you think about Ramsdale starting the weekend, uh, starting at the weekend after his performance tonight? So I haven't really touched on Ramsdale's performance because I don't think there's too much to discuss around it, if I'm honest with you. I thought it was solid, but that's what I expect from Aaron Ramsdale. I don't think it was outstanding, but I don't think it needed to be. Um, so that's not a positive or a negative in, in terms of his column. You know, I just think it was a, a decent enough performance from a goalkeeper that we know is very, very good. Um, do I think he should start at the weekend? I think if you were going to drop David Raya, it needed to come after the Luton game. That gave Mikel Arteta the perfect excuse, but he didn't. Therefore, I don't envisage... Aaron Ramsdale getting a crack at the weekend. I think Raya's the number one now. That is it. And I, I, I do wonder if Ramsdale would have got a game tonight had we needed even a point. I don't think he would have. I think, you know, Raya would have played. So I, I don't for a second think that Ramsdale's played his way back into favour um, based on tonight. But yeah, solid performance from him. On Emil Smith-Rowe, I mean, I'm not going to get too 
drawn into this debate around how long he should have played. Because if he's only returned to training yesterday, that's when we found out about it anyway. Maybe he was back involved for a few days. I don't know. But we found out yesterday that he was back in training. We knew that he was going to travel. We knew that he was going to be a part of the squad. But what did people actually expect? Because I didn't expect him to get any minutes, really. So I'm not surprised by that, nor disappointed by it, nor frustrated. I think it's just par for the course. He's working his way back from an injury. It's not the first injury he's had in recent times. And I think we need to be really careful um, with how we manage him. Um, Rev says, who would you have played instead of Gabby and Saliba? I would have either played Ben White at centre-back. I would have played Kivior at centre-back uh, to replace one of them. Um, and I would have put Zinchenko at left-back. I said already earlier on that I accept that you probably had to start one of them because of how short we are in that position. Would I have started both? Probably not. And would I have brought Declan Rice on ahead of some of the other options that we had to be able to shake it up at the, the heart of our defence? Probably not either. Um, but yeah, they, they're two really, really important players. And beyond them, the level drops, doesn't it? Kivio, I've, I've just said, I think can play as a left centre-back competently. But he's not Gabriel and he's not William Saliba. So you'll always be wary and mindful of that, won't you? But yeah, anyway, um, not too much really to more to kind of dig into. I think it was, uh, you know, it, it is a dead rubber of a game. I don't really know how much we can read into it. But just to kind of summarise, I thought it was a slightly disjointed performance at times, but it was completely uh, to be expected. Um, the substitutions were interesting. Some of the risks that Mikel Arteta took did leave me feeling a little bit nervous. But hey, um, he knows what he's doing. The Kivior thing... I mean, the goal I'm talking about, I, I thought that goal should have stood. I guess the only other thing that maybe I should highlight, which I, I don't recall doing, maybe I did, but if I can't remember what happened 28 within the last 20 minutes, what, what chance do I have? But I think Reese Nelson had a decent game. Um, he was getting lots and lots of praise in, um, in the commentary. He was getting lots and lots of praise um, sort of from, from the co-commentator in particular. I thought he was decent. I thought he had a few good moments. I don't think he was outstanding, though. And I don't think that Bukayo Saka or Gabriel Martinelli, with all due respect, have to be concerned about their positions at this moment in time. All Reese Nelson can do is take his opportunities when they come. They signed him up on a contract, but I'm certain that that was to protect his value. And he feels like one of the ones, to me, that probably come the summer will be moving on and um, and leaving Arsenal Football Club. But yeah, decent display from him. That's it. Um, if you've got any questions um, that we didn't get around to answering during the live stream, I'll tell you what, go down into the comment section after the stream has ended. Leave them there. And on tomorrow's episode, we'll pick up as many of those uh, as we can uh, during the allotted time. So um, yeah, thanks for joining me. I uh, hope you enjoyed the programme and we'll be back on Wednesday with some more Arsenal chat. Until then, take care. Cheers, guys. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.